Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Friend of this show, Indiana Sports Talk, Friday and Saturday nights here throughout those great stations along the line for Network Indiana affiliation, Bob Lovell, who joins us now. I know, Bob, we're going to get into the uh, sectional final Friday night in football, which is a big deal. I do have a couple of things to talk with you about before we get there. You obviously have coached on a variety of levels in this state. I brought up how Bob Knight had an influence on me from the time I remember sports, you know, basically until now. As a coach in this state, your thoughts on the passing of Bob Knight and the type of effect he had on you as a coach at, again, a variety of levels in the state of India. Well, John, I think um, you know his impact is kind of hard to measure. You, know, you, you look at it from a standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, you were coaching high school basketball, college basketball in the state of Indiana. Uh, you were running motion offense, and you were – using defensive principles that you learned from Coach Knight. I mean, everybody was. You know, yeah. They were, you know how that is. Go back to your Eastern, your, your Green County days. You're overplaying a passing lane. Uh, you're denying that you're fronting the post. You, you know, that, defensively, that's how, that's how you're doing. Those are the basic fundamentals. I think that's changed. That's evolved from that point now. I don't think a lot of people do it that way. But at the time, you were doing everything by the book, the book of Bob Knight. You were – trying to run motion offense, you know, pass, cut, cut away from the bat, no, don't, no ball screens. It's interesting how things have evolved. But back then, one of the absolute um, uh, no-nos of running motion offense was screen on the ball. You never screened on the ball. You always screened away from the ball. Those exactly. Kind of things. And so from yep. a coach, coach's standpoint, you know, we followed all that and did, did a lot of that. Clearly didn't do it as, as well as, as, as he, his teams did. But being, you know, the other part of it, too, was being part of the Indiana University system that I was when I was at IEPUI. You know, they used to have that holiday tournament in Indianapolis every year, and they would come over to our gym and use it uh, uh, for a preparation. So they'd practice uh, on that second day. They'd come over and use our gym. And so, you know, I got to hang out at practice. I got to spend time with them and, and do all that. And so you got to watch them up close and personal. And... Um, the, the the one that the you know we were you know I always used to get calls from Steve Downing wondering hey why are you not down? coach wants to know why you don't come down and watch practice I said well it's pretty simple I mean I'm trying to win games <laughs> I said <laughs> you know it's it's not like I could just I'm also you know I'm the athletic director and the basketball coach I got a couple of things on my plate and yeah. I'm trying to win games and I said it's nothing personal I said I just don't have I, I can't literally squeeze it into my schedule to take an entire day to go down to Bloomington and watch practice. And so, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, those kind of tangential things for me uh, that were interesting. But, you know, in terms of the game, uh, the preparation, the thing I always admired about him from a coaching standpoint is defensively, uh, he's one of those coaches and people, you know, a lot of people try to do it. And I don't think they did it as well. He could take, he would find something in your offensive approach and they would take it away from you. One of the key things that you'd do, 
it may have been a down screen, a screen away, some kind of action, and they would eliminate that action. They they would they would take that away from you. And then the other part of it too is uh, think about it. He's going to figure out a way to stymie your best player. He'll he'll figure out a way to neutralize that player. That's one of the reasons I think they were so successful. It's it's easier said than done to just be able to take away certain things and take away certain people. That's hard to do, and they did it uh, a lot, and they did it with great success uh, over the years. Yeah, that's, so you brought up something, too, and Bob Lovell joins us with a bit of a reflection before we get into sectional final football Friday night and the matchups, but – I um, you mentioned the 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 on the ball screens or the high ball on the ball screens. Yeah, you'd be yeah. running, you'd be running stair laps for days if you did <laughs> stuff like that back then. True story. Right. right. And that's well, everybody does that now. That's all anybody everybody does. does yeah, high yeah. ball, high ball screens or dribble handoffs. That's all anybody does. It's um, it's interesting how the game evolved and during his period of time at Indiana University. As I mentioned, those you didn't do those things. You know, it was a pass cut away. Pass, basket cut, you know, you know what I mean? Pass, yeah. uh, replace yourself, those those basic principles of motion offense. And you know, the other part of it, too, if you don't have the ball, find somebody to screen. And exactly. So, you know, those were always, yeah. you know, it's always great things to work on in practice. And, and, and you, the other part of it, too, is that uh, I think uh, when you look at it in totality, no one had the impact. Absolutely no one has had, or I think ever will have, the impact on a sport in a state like Coach Knight did had had here in Indiana. I just don't think it's. I don't think it'll ever be replicated. Hey, ironically enough, too, I think that by volume, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm just taking a guess that we see more of an impact on the offensive end of offensive foul calls for illegal screens than we ever did with a screen in motion offense that we all ran basically for decades in basketball. It's a good point. I mean, I, I agree with you. And, uh, I mean, I just think that, you know, we being here in Indiana, we take basketball pretty seriously. And, you know, he was um, right guy at the right place at the right time. And, and uh, love him, hate him, however you viewed him, I, I did nothing but respect the guy from afar on how he was able to implement his system, not only on his team, but literally across an entire state. And so – uh, the one of a kind, never be replaced, and uh, I think the impact continues to this day. Quite frankly, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk every Friday, right here. Of course, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Car X locations, run by Joe Childers. CarX.com to maintain fall road readiness with a great deal of values for you. CarX.com today. All right, some of these finals. Let's start in 6A here. Obviously, Cathedral and LN tonight in 7 from LN's a big one. What about Fishers and Hamilton Southeastern this evening at 7 o'clock, 2 in sectional 3? What, what do you need to say <laughs> other than the fact that it's Fishers and HSE? Both really good teams. They're, they're very balanced. They're very similar to each other. They, they all know each other. They've grown up with each other. That's um, why it's such a great rivalry. Um and I, I just think it's one of those games, like most of these games tonight, John, you got to take care of the ball, not make mistakes. And if you're able to do that, you got a chance to win. So uh, that is a spectacular game. I mean, let's face it, that's that's as good a game as you're going to have. That's number seven versus number ten, and that's how evenly matched they are, quite frankly. Westfield and Noblesville in sectional four tonight at 7 o'clock. That's a big one. Um, listen, I would have thought Ben Davis could beat Brownsburg last week. 
I didn't think Ben Davis would beat Brownsburg in the fashion in which they did last week in that semifinal. That was incredible. Yeah, it was. And I don't think anybody expected it, you know, no. especially if, if you're, you know, the Brownsburg kids who have this seemingly insurmountable lead uh, that, that literally disappears. And so strange things happen, John, in tournament play. You know that irrespective of the sport, crazy things happen. They get underscores just exactly how good Ben Davis is, how explosive they can be. Uh, Pike is, is getting better and better, but I just think that if Ben Davis plays at that level, They'll be very difficult to beat. Um, you know, I think uh, the Westfield-Noblesville game is an interesting one. Westfield just continues to grind it out and win games. Noblesville playing for a sectional championship for the first time in a while, and uh, I think it's it's great. I mean, you got great emotion going into that. Another rivalry-type situation. So some really all these games in 6A are, are really, really solid, quite frankly. It's uh, Bob Lovell who joins us 4A tonight, sectional 21, 22, and 23. 21's got Mooresville and Brebuff, New Pal at Mount Vernon in 22, and the defending champion East Central in Greenwood. Greenwood's got a long bus ride down I-74 towards Cincinnati for sectional 23. Three strong matchups, however. Yeah, I think you're right. I, mean, I think the East Central matchup is a hard one uh, for the obvious reasons. They've yes. won the last uh, two championships. They're undefeated. You gotta you gotta travel down there. So as, as you point out, that's a that's a difficult matchup. Um, I, I think um, Burbuff is a is a team that's playing well, playing awfully awfully well right now. So you have to really really pay attention to them. New pal. Uh, is just, uh, they're really good, John. I mean, they're really, really good. Uh, I, I love my guy, Mike Gillen, at Mooresville. Hard for a Plainfield boy to pull for Mooresville, but he and I go back a long, long way. Um, it's a great story from what they've been able to do. So there's plenty of reasons to be excited about these matchups, John, because there, there are a whole bunch of good ones around the state. Yeah, no doubt about that. 3A, uh, the one will hard target right here. Actually, we could do a couple if you wanted to, but certainly at the top of the list, Chittard and Hamilton Heights, sectional 28 tonight. A lot of cheering going on in here for that one. Well, Chittard is uh, Chittard. <laughs> yeah. Reminiscent of you know plenty of championship teams that they've had, um, and, and they have, they're a, a really, really solid Type football team capable of clearly capable of winning a championship. The interesting thing about Hamilton Knights is, you know, they went through a five game stretch in regular season where they threw shutouts at their opponents. I mean, defensively, they're a really, really solid football team. They're going to need to be clearly against a, a Shatard team that's going to, you know, pound you the entire night as they normally do. But it's, a, it's an intriguing matchup because what Heights has been able to do on the defensive side. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, as I mentioned, has got you Tri-West, Monrovia, also a part of that schedule, and Indian Creek in Batesville in sectional 31. Indian Creek's got a matchup where they're going to host tonight at a sectional final down in Trafalgar. That's a great story. I mean, everybody knows the Gillen name, Casey, uh, the coach at Indian Creek, played at Indian Creek, had a great career. Dad and Mike, I just mentioned at Mooresville, they've had a tremendous year, as had Batesville. Both these teams, if you think about it, probably weren't expected to be where they are playing for a sectional championship. 
Uh, Batesville just continues to pick up wins down in the southeastern part of the state. But the uh, Indian Creek story is good. They can throw it. Uh, they have kids who can catch it. They can put points on the board. Uh, should be a very interesting game. Got two-way matchups here. Um, obviously, we bring up South Bont, Linton Stockton down in Greene County tonight. Um, Winchester, Eastern Hancock also coming up uh, in sectional 38 this evening. And then I guess in Class A, we can start here before I let you go, Bob. Indianapolis Lutheran and Covenant Christian tonight for a sectional crown at 7 o'clock. Lutheran is uh, really, really good, John. Um, you know, Obviously, they've won the last two state championships in single A, ranked number one right now. Um, I'm not sure who can beat them, quite frankly. Excited about the Linton Stockton Miners from your uh, old stomping grounds down in yeah. uh, that part of the state. Um, you know what? They, they've been so they've been good these last few years, but have had trouble getting past uh, that sectional championship. They get they win sectionals. They get into that regional. Uh, is this the team that's going to break through and come up and, and play in Indianapolis? They think it is. They think they have the, the capability to do it. They've been disappointed in the last uh, few years in similar situations. So um, those are two teams you have to pay a lot of attention to. Yep. Uh, also a couple of others before we uh, get ready to let you go here. Park Tudor at North Vermillion tonight, sectional 42. Sheridan at Monroe Central tonight at 7 o'clock in sectional 45. Good thing about it is Bob Lovell's going to have you covered on all levels, both tonight and tomorrow night, won't you? I sure hope so. Uh, that's the plan. <laughs> if not, I, I will have disappointed you and thousands of others. So we'll, we'll do our best. You never disappoint me. Hey, I did want to ask you, you don't have to spend a lot of time yeah. on this or really say anything about it. Um, wh- how do you feel about everything championship-wise going to streaming with the IHSAA, Bob? Uh, it's the way of the world, John. Uh, this, you know, I preface my remarks by saying uh, it is to believe I am 72 years old, right. uh, and I'm not the most technologically savvy human being on the planet. Uh, so, for people in my age bracket, we're not we're not very happy about this. But I think for people in my grandson's age bracket, uh, you know, his reaction would be, so what? This is what we do. And so uh, I know the IHSAA, uh, I think we we lose sight of this fact uh, sometimes, John, when when we talk about media things. We we talk about these championships are supposed to be for the kids, supposed to be about the kids and supposed to be for the kids. And uh, those kids who are playing in those games – and their moms and dads, quite frankly, and brothers and sisters and family members, they're going to watch games that are streamed every week. Uh, a lot of high schools stream it. Everybody does it around the state. And so if we truly believe that things are for the kids, then, then let's go ahead and provide things in a medium where most of those kids are happy and know what they're doing and get, an ac- and get access to games. Yeah, it may impact those of us who are older, not as uh, not as sophisticated technologically as others, but we need to adapt and get better because the world, it's hard to have the uh, Channel 4s of the world back in the day that would do these Man. games. That doesn't exist anymore. This is the technology that exists now in our culture. Let me tell you how much I miss the old school Channel 4, by the way. I'm glad you brought that oh, up. So yeah, I do. I miss it. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> again, um, yes. 
you know, and I've, I've gone through this because I'm fortunate enough, as you know, to be a part of the pairing yeah. shows for the football and the basketball uh, tournaments. And um, I, I, I understand it. And I was also involved in, in when I was working in the Horizon League, uh, I was in charge of uh, TV and all the other stuff. About I was in charge of basketball uh, back in the day. We were the first conference in the country to stream all of our uh, regular season games. We were, the, we were the first ones to do it because we recognized then just exactly what I said. That's the medium yeah. that the, the participants are, are involved in. And so we tried to, to do it as a, uh, as, as a student-athlete-friendly type of um, opportunity to see these games. And I think that's how you have to view it. We'll be listening later on tonight, tomorrow night, Indiana Sports Talk. Bob Lovell's got you covered on all fronts, high school, college, professional, later on tonight and tomorrow night. Bob Lovell brought to you by your 14th Central Indiana Joe Childers run Carox locations. Bob, have a great weekend. We'll do it again next week. John, you're the best. Thanks. Bob Lovell, Indiana. Uh, gentlemen that will be very busy coming up tonight. You got a little hoop going on versus Marion and the Knights, I believe, this evening. And then tomorrow, Wisconsin and IU football-wise. The voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, joins us. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm good, John. How are you doing? Are you southbound and down right now? That's the way that it sounds. I, I, I am. I'm on the highway as we speak. How fast are you driving? You're going a good 75 miles per hour? Over or under? What are we doing? I'm, I'm 75 on the button right now. Look at that. Man. See, we've known each other too long when I can guess that. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'm surprised you didn't guess 80 or 85. <laughs> I, well, I was going to give you an over-under until I nailed that thing on the button right there, so that made me feel good. <laughs> Um, hey, Don, I want to ask you about this, and I, I, I did not want to bug you yesterday. I, I sent you a text. I saw you on Big Ten Network, and you know, I, I, yesterday was such a meaningful day, and I wanted to make it that way, and, and I wanted to make it about you know the situation and the passing of Bob Knight at the age of 83, and what you said on Big Ten Network kind of struck me um, as well, and I, I didn't want to bug you with that, but I talked to a lot of folks yesterday, Brian Evans, Mark Patrick, Dusty May, and obviously you've been around that basketball program since 1973. How how meaningful was yesterday for you, considering all that you've been a part of over all these years, going back through the Bob Knight era, Don? Well, it was a sad day. There's no question about that. But from my perspective, uh, I'm just I'm glad of his passing because of the condition that he was in at the end. And I I feel so badly for his family. Uh, At the same time, it's a blessing because uh, he was not doing well. I don't know how many people knew exactly where he was at with his health issues and those kinds of things, but it was not a good thing. And so it's a blessing for that family. I feel feel badly for Karen. I feel badly for Pat, uh, without doubt. But uh, honestly, it is a blessing that he's gone because he was not he was not well and it was it was not going it wasn't going to get any better so from that perspective alone um i feel good about it but at the same time we're all sad because he's no longer with us so one of the greatest if not the greatest college basketball coach in the country uh, to, uh up to this point in the in in history because i just 
I, I revere what he was able to do as a basketball coach. He was phenomenal. Um, I, I think the best way to describe it is he saw the game so much differently than just about anybody else in the world. He just looked at it differently, and he had a perspective on college basketball, how it should be played, and he changed the state of Indiana. When he came here in 1971, uh, nobody was playing defense the way Indiana became or, or the way Bob Knight was teaching it. And by the time he was here three or four years, everybody was starting to play. Yeah. That's motion offense and defense first and all those kinds of things. What he did to revolutionize the state of Indiana from a basketball perspective was just its unheard of anyplace else. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Are you and Marion in a basketball game? He's got the call for coming up a little bit later on. There, there will never, ever be anything like that. And there has never, ever, and with all due respect to the Manning era and, and to Larry Bird coming out of Springs Valley, nothing has ever and will ever have the magnitude that Bob Knight had on this state from the time that he was here and then till ultimately the year 2000. Nothing will ever be like that again. No, I agree. I just don't think ever. Nothing took this state, uh, nothing took this state by uh, the grasp that Bob Knight did. Nothing uh, ever, sports-wise. And and honestly, um, at the time that he was in his heyday and, and when Indiana was playing its greatest basketball uh, under him, I think he could have been elected governor of the state. Yeah. <laughs> Just because yeah. people revered what he was capable of doing as a basketball coach. Yeah, I think I, I brought this up yesterday for me, and it was, Don, strictly from a fan's standpoint. When I was first introduced to sports and love sports, was at the age of five. And um, I remember this vividly. We're driving to uh, Florida for spring break. And, you know, you're on the call that IU-Kentucky game in in 75 that most loathe to this day. But that's my real first memory of sports right there. And, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, around the radio listening to you or watching it on Channel 4 or getting in front of the television at noon on Sunday for the Bob Knight talk show, it was always an event and it was always a family affair that started with my grandparents and then it was to me. Um, those are moments that I have vivid memories of that I will always cherish. Well, and I understand that completely because I, I having been a part of this thing for, for the 20, 27 of Coach Knight's 29 years, um, I saw things that, you know, I never dreamed I would have a chance to be a part of. Uh, so... I, and, and Indiana basketball uh, in those days was as big as anything in the country. And there's little question, uh, a, a great part of my success has been due to Indiana University basketball success and what Bob Knight brought to the table. Um, there's no question. Uh, yeah, I've been here 51 years, and I think I've done a decent job, but there's no question a great part of my success is due to what Indiana was able to do under Bob Knight. Three national titles that I'm sure you had a great pleasure in calling. Um, <laughs> did one of those title games stand I mean, two of them were at the Spectrum in Philly, and one was an ultimately an unbeaten season. Uh, the other was on the night with the uh, 
assassination attempt of President Ronald Reagan by John Hinckley Jr. And the other came on one of the iconic last-second call-slash-shots at the Superdome in New Orleans in 1987. Does one stand out to you over the other? Honestly, no. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I say that because they were all three really special national titles in the sense of yeah. – First of all, the 32-0 team of 1976, and many would argue that's the the greatest team that's uh, ever played college basketball, and some would argue that, obviously, the other way. But you have your perspective on it, uh, if you, especially if you saw it and you were alive at the time. And then uh, in 1981, uh, you had Isaiah Thomas, who was, without question, uh, the greatest player probably under Coach Knight, at least from the standpoint of being the only guy that made uh, was an NBA All-Star uh, from Indiana University under Coach Knight's tutelage. And then the 87 team, how good was that? A, a ball club yeah. that, you know, there was a season on the brink <laughs> leading up to that, if you remember. Yeah. And without question, Bob Knight maybe his greatest coaching. I mean, and you could talk about a lot of different errors that, that Bob Knight had teams that you would have said that was his greatest coaching uh, you know greatest coaching job that he did but I would still say that that 87 team with two junior college players on it Keith Smart and Dean Garrett and molding that group very quickly into a team that was special um, it was just unheard of what he was able to do with players to get them to buy in and all those kinds of things I, I was I was dumbfounded that that team was able to win a national championship. And I think, again, I still think it's one of, if not the best, it was certainly one of his best coaching performances. Yeah, so many things stand out. That UNLV game national semifinal where, I mean, you're thinking they're going to run with them, and they did, and outscored UNLV in that incredible offense. You go back earlier, they were down double figures to Auburn in the second round at the Hoosier Dome, if memory serves. And then the, the regional semifinal final dawn had Duke, uh, you know, Krzyzewski versus Knight, and then what, what was an incredible game against LSU. Just so many things. And I often think about 81, too, on. Hey, by the way, there's Popo. All right, slow it down a little bit right there. Slow it down just a tad. Popo's in the area. <laughs> but I, I think about in 81 when they played um, Maryland in an early round. And I think Maryland had Albert King and Buck Williams on that team that went on to have, especially Buck Williams, a great career uh, in the NBA. And and the kickstart of that, which kind of came out of nowhere, honestly, with that team and the way the season started in 81. Well, and think about this. <laughs> that team against Maryland was down 8 to nothing, yeah. And they call, there was a timeout called, I think, the television timeout. And from that point forward, Indiana down 8 nothing. They absolutely destroyed that Maryland ball club under Lefty Brazil. And Lefty, I don't know if you remember this or not, but if they, every time they showed him on the sidelines, he was shaking his head in admiration to what he was seeing out there in yeah. the negative. Obviously, he was so upset. His team couldn't do anything against that ball club. And they went on to win every ball game in that series uh, of the NCAA tournament that year significantly. It wasn't like, yeah. I mean, they, they basically beat everybody and they beat 
South. Yeah, I went to the two regional, the semifinal, the final. Because then it was on site, and this was at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, and I attended that as an 11-year-old. And then obviously they go back to, to Philly and get it done. But it was uh, some amazing stuff and some amazing times that we had that, you know, there's a reason why it's so vivid in my memory, in our memory. Uh, obviously you called it, but for me it was just that development of loving of sports and you know doing it with your family at the time and that's that's really what that meant to me and that's why yesterday so it was incredibly meaningful to me as well i want to thank you for uh, for offering up your thoughts on that because i know you've been asked a great deal you've got iu marion and hoops tonight and then wisconsin and iu and football tomorrow correct absolutely i'm looking forward to it it's going to be a lot of fun uh Tonight, uh, they'll take on a Marion ball club that's going to be undersized and under-talented in regard to what Indiana will put out there. But you know Scott Hetty will have those yep. kids ready to play, and they'll give it their best shot, and it's going to be fun in that context. I think we might see Mike Woodson experiment a little bit tonight with some more uh, different lineups and those kinds of things. I'll have to ask him about our pregame show upcoming, but I just have a gut feeling that he might change things up a little bit to start the ball game. Uh, at the same time, uh, then we've got Wisconsin tomorrow in football, and we saw an Indiana team last week that bounced back from a, uh, and really played pretty well against the Penn State team that was ranked 10th in the country and literally had a chance to either tie or win that ball game. They didn't tie it, but they, they had a chance to win it. Unfortunately, they make a mistake and, of course, get beat 33-24. to 24. But uh, I think it gave that ball club a little bit of a confidence boost, a, a more of a belief once again. And maybe we'll see something special tomorrow against this Wisconsin team that's 5-3. and three. I thought that on Saturday at Penn State there was a little bit of inspiration, maybe excitement, because they knew that your charge card got hit for like over two grand for that rooms. On, I mean, maybe that was a little bit behind it. <laughs> uh, all, all, I, all I know is that's the that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm just glad that I was on the expense of the university. <laughs> <laughs> Always, hey Don. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, sharing those thoughts. And I know everybody appreciates that and obviously loves the call. We'll be listening uh, tonight and then coming up, obviously, tomorrow uh, with the football team playing against Wisconsin. But uh, overall, thanks for just being cool and uh, being with us every Friday and especially talking about something like this that I know is uh, so profound in, in your mind. I appreciate you very much. Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate your having me. Uh, Don Fisher. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline of ESPN Radio. He is our Friday friend, Mike Wells, who joins us. So did I see this accurately? Were you hanging out with my good buddy Chris Ballard at practice today? I was. That was the first time I've been back in the uh, close facility since I le- officially left ESPN as a writer on uh, August 5th, 2022. I decided to uh, make a cameo appearance. It was it, it was a little tough decision though because this is borderline golf weather. But uh, I decided to go out and um, hang out, go through there. What, what was interesting was John, and you'll you'll find this hilarious is that you know I parked on the side of the building, basically a couple spots away from where uh, head coach Shane Steichen, uh, assistant GM Ed Dodds, and Chris Ballard yeah. park it a place I didn't even know existed during my nine seasons of covering the Colts. 
hung out in Ballard's office, and we walk out through his door to go to the practice field, and the, the jaws they dropped between Kevin Bowen, uh, Nate Atkins, and uh, James Boyd as they saw me hang yeah. out the general manager. It was uh, it was priceless. They, they had that look. Nate Atkins had to look like, why the hell does Wells get preferential treatment? I just want to say, well, first of all, Ballard likes me better, yeah, but it was uh, definitely. I damn, I damn guarantee he likes you better than me. I know that. So, yes, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was good to get back over there and uh, watch a little practice, and even good to see my good media buddies. My man Mike Chappell was dressed like it was ninety-five degrees outside with his shorts and a t-shirt on out there. But uh, no, it was it was good to hang out over there with the fellas. Well, good for you. Now, were you doing anything in particular, or are you just kind of hanging out and big-timing everybody? Oh, I was just being nosy and big-timing people. <laughs> well done. I love that. Good for you, man. Good for you. Now, hey, did you, uh, did you quiz Ballard on some things here, too? Anything? Did you get any info to add to the show? Yeah, but also I, I did, but uh, I also want to be able to return to the facility at some point. Oh, so, uh, wait! I'm, I'm, oh, off the record. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, nothing on the record. Um, you know, he wanted to make sure I wasn't doing ESPN radio tonight or this weekend uh, before we talked. Um, so, but no, it, it was definitely good to get out there. Um, I mean, I'm not in, in the Captain Obvious uh, category. Um, you know, obviously he loves him some um, Anthony Richardson. Um, yeah. but, but beyond that, it was, it was, nah, nothing, nothing else going on, man. And, uh, you know, we did, I, he did, he asked me about, uh, what it was like down in Bloomington yesterday, you know, the day after Bob Knight died and everything is, yeah. you know, uh, being on campus, which is definitely a sad day and, and, and everything. Uh, but right. man, so at least they get to go beat Frank Wright this weekend. Did, uh, did you ask him if you needed to try out for corner since he really set this team up for greatness at that position this year? Uh, he he would have he, he would have just looked at my waistline and laughed had he had I said do you need a cornerback? Uh, so when a man that you, I I, I uh, I'm surprised that, that that Brown was able to get back and leave the locker room and get and uh, not be escorted out of Lucas Oil Stadium last weekend. Yeah, it, it was brutal, much like Daryl Baker Jr. the week prior. But here's what you understand, especially in terms of Brown, the last place he really needed to be was the position that he was playing on Sunday, too. I, and, you know, if you're out there, you got to make plays. But he had no business being out there. And really, those that put him in that situation, injuries or not, had no business of putting him in that situation. Yeah, no, it was – I mean, you talk about the showing a lack of depth and being exposed. Um, yeah. they, they, made, they, they made Derek Carlos like a hell of a quarterback out there the way they were picking on him. And it, it's – Thank goodness for the Colts that they're playing, their next two games are against the against the, um, the Panthers and then the Patriots. So they got a chance to try to get something going. Uh, you know, if they know how to protect the damn ball, because as much as we talk about the lack of depth at cornerback, they don't know how to hold on the ball. They they hold on they hold on to the ball as well as I hold on to my chicken wings. Uh, you mean like, as in bad? You mean, you mean eating them or what? Not dropping them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. The way I eat my chicken wings is so saucy. I can't hold on to them. That's how oh, okay. to the football. I mean, that, that's how bad they are when it comes to turning over the, turning over the football. It's 
you know, I, I talk to people all the time, you know, especially here in Brownsburg, and right. the consensus is is that they're the culture in that position now where when Anthony Richards was playing, you look at it as, okay, there's some hope and some optimism and enjoy him. But I think people are starting to get to that point where, like, all right, Gardner Minshew is who he is. He's a damn backup quarterback. The odds of winning are slim. So it's time to look forward to next year. Uh, start looking forward to what next season is going to be for the Colts. Uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio was out at Colts practice today, hanging out big time at everybody. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, I believe it's almost like to the day in a year's time. If if Frank Reich and Carolina beats the Colts on Sunday, what that's going to be the 5th of November. And I want to say, was he not fired on the 7th of November by the Colts a year ago? So it's almost going to be a year to the day if memory serves. Hey, not that Frank would do this, but if he were to beat the Colts, uh, I mean, he'd have a chance. He could act like Nick Soriani did when they came from behind and beat the Colts <laughs> and, have, and have a gigantic ramp and, you know, go in and pull the middle, middle finger, up, especially if it's bordering around that 365-day mark since he got fired after that dismal performance in Foxborough last year. Uh, man. Yeah, I, know, I thought, I I thought it was the seventh when he got fired. And I believe that game is is uh, coming up on the fifth. I want to say, I could be wrong. Eh, what is? What, I'd have to look on today's date exactly. But I believe the yeah, today's the third. Yeah, that'd be the fifth coming up on Sunday. So almost a year to the day. And I I don't know what you think about that. We thought last year had Carson Wentz played and been the quarterback for the Commanders, and he would have beaten the Colts. That would have been like the most embarrassing moment really of all time or close to all time around here, other than that play that Chuck Pagano cobbled together on a fourth down years ago. However, you know, we remember Taylor Heineke was the one that quarterbacked on that day. I would have to think, though, going to Carolina and giving the second win to the Panthers and doing it with Frank Reich at the helm over there on Sunday would rank really high with Colts fans uh, on the embarrassment factor. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna say yes and no on this one. I'm gonna say yes, okay, because it it is Frank Reich, and it's clear that the, that the Carolina Panthers are just a horrible football team. They're not a good football team at all. But with that said, if you ask just about any Colts fan, they'll say they they would rather have um, Shane Steichen as a head coach over Frank Reich. So it, it, it's not like okay, uh, you know what, they made a mistake. So right, the Panthers win. I think it's more so that the Panthers stink. They're just a bad, abysmal football team, and you let um, them get their second straight win. It'd be just you know both wins will be over AFC South uh, opponents. So that's where I think it'd be more people pissed off, and then they got to go all the way across the pond to Frankfurt next weekend. Yeah. God, that makes for a long, a long week. Yeah, I'm telling you, this this has all the makings. And, and really, I've said this before, this is already lost, considering you're not getting the guy that needs the reps the most, any reps whatsoever, because Anthony Richardson is done. But you talk about an unforgiving lost season. If you were to lose this week, go to Frankfurt, lose again, then have a bye week. Uh, I mean, this thing could really circle the drain with yet another loss in Charlotte on Sunday, Mike. Yeah. Now, okay, let's put out this. Mm-hmm. Are you going to? Are you picking the Colts to win or lose? I have officially picked them to win. I, I don't have a rightly idea why I did. Uh, I just, I, I guess, here's the angle, Mike. I don't want to come on on Monday 
and explain why or how or how bad it is if you lose to Frank Reich and this Carolina team on Sunday. Know what I mean? I just don't know no, if I really yeah. want that. I'd rather be talking about a team that gets a win. So maybe it's me trying to nudge them because I really have no firm belief. I have no firm belief. I talked to um, Anish Sharaf from ESPN, who's their play-by-play guy, and he said, you know, Bryce Young's primed for a breakout signature type of rookie in-game performance. And when you look at it with what the Colts have in the secondary right now and what they're not doing up front and no Grover Stewart up front, could there be a team more ripe for that type of performance or giving that up to Bryce Young than the Colts on Sunday? So, you know, my, my thought process, other than not wanting to have to talk about that on Monday from three until six, my thought process really didn't make sense because the Colts look like that type of team that could give it not only up to the rookie quarterback, but give it up for the second win of the season to Carolina. Man, oh, dude, yeah, that, that will make for a long three hours on Monday. I'm going I'm I'm to pick, pick the Colts to win, too. I'm going to pick the win. But you know what, you know, uh, as a you know, side note to everything, to what's going on with them and the potential of maybe losing to a, a one-win Panthers team is, Shaq Leonard's comments yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you talk about a guy who is, you know, I don't want to say he has one foot out the door, but maybe the Colts have have one foot out the door on him, you know, essentially him saying that he's buried buried on the sideline as far as as far as snaps goes. And you can't you can't really argue with how Gus Bradley is looking at things. I mean, I'd have, yeah, and I, I I would have to argue too that um, I don't know what the dead cap money is going to be after this, but I, I would suggest right now after those comments and the way that he's being utilized or lack thereof, that Colts fans may be watching the final performances of Shaq Leonard here. You know, and again, I don't I haven't looked at the dead cap money that that would provide, but I, w- without without an updating of his salary in some form or fashion and the way that he's being utilized right now and what he said yesterday uh, in terms of how he's not being utilized was very Michael Pittman Jr.-esque um, from what he said about, you know, maybe I'm you know not a part of it. And, you know, and, and that's beyond the lack of splash plays and turnovers. Mike, because two years ago he did that, and there was a high bar set there that we all knew he was not going to reach within this defense, and now he's being subbed out on third downs often in the way that this thing looks right now. Does it not look like a team and a player that probably has a view that he's not going to be around next year? That's, that's kind of how I took it the past couple of days. And then, you know, Shane Steichen being asked that today and saying, we'll see. Oh, check that. I'm sorry. It wasn't we'll see. We'll keep that in-house. He said we'll see about Jelani Woods playing this year, the tight end. But we'll keep that in-house regarding Shaquille Leonard. Um, it just kind of seems like maybe that's the path in which Mike will walk in. Well, listen, listen I, I, I'm going to take the word might out of your mouth, Jerry. I mean, this is a guy who was one of the top defensive players in the NFL a couple years ago. A guy on third down in a close game, could come up and punch the ball away, make that big play, and be that momentum-changing play, player for the Colts. To now being on the sideline, helmet on the hip, staring out there, where Zaire Franklin is the face of that defensive unit now. Zaire Franklin is the face. I would have never thought it was not going to be Darius Leonard. I thought Darius Leonard 
and Quentin Nelson were going to be the guys that everybody – and Jonathan Taylor that people would talk about for, for years to come for this franchise. And now Shaq Leonard is, has been put into the role of essentially cheerleader on the side now, on, on the sideline when it comes to third now. So well, you guys, yeah. I, I, I'm going to believe that, yeah, it's the Colts. Like, they don't see that same player. Unfortunately, you know, number of injuries and everything that it might, it, it, they're looking at the point where um, it'll be time to move on unless Shaq turns it on in the second half of the season. Well, it also looks like you had another really bad decision by your buddy, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, hey, you know what? You can say that that could be that could be the nickname going forward now. <laughs> your right? buddy. I'm a, I'm a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your, your your buddy, that, that, that's another one. and It's, it's a good thing hey. he got a reboot because that one's going to stick out like a sore thumb, too, on your buddy's resume. Man, now you're starting to sound like somebody else. Needs to <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But no, yeah, mm. that, could, that could be, that could be uh, you can go, you can say that um, now going. But no, <clears throat> that's the reality is, I mean, you can't knock it. Because unfortunately, Darius just is not, and I, I'm calling him Darius. Maybe he needs to go back yeah. to being called Darius to getting back to uh, playing the way he is. He's not the same player. He's not a premier defensive player in the NFL anymore. That's just where it, it, that is a fact. And so he pro- proves us wrong. Nobody can say, okay, Darius Leonard is that guy. He needs to have a game where he is all over the field. And remember a couple of years ago when he got mad when, um, what's the 49ers linebacker's name? Uh, Fred Warner. Yes, um, he got. He felt like he was slighted when it came to being put behind Fred Warner as far as um, linebackers go. When Aaron Rodgers made that comment about who's best linebacker in the NFL, and now Darius Leonard isn't even being talked about when it comes to top defensive players in the, in the NFL. And Mikey comes off the field on third down. I mean, it just yeah. <laughs> it is it is not a a good situation for him too. And I, I would say you're right. I just there's not much of a way that you think this is not the final times that we see him play uh, coming up here, too. So, all right, so you're hanging out with your buddy today out there at Colts practice. So that's cool, in his office. Uh, so are you going to go downtown tonight and hang out with your other buddy, Kevin Pritchard, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse? Did you hit you both know, buddies? Got, I, 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 true story, I got offered tickets, and I was going to take Kate out there tonight, but um, – uh, we got some stuff going on. So I, I got to have uh, double buddies in this situation, man. But I, I'm going to say. Well, I mean, I don't, know what you ha- yeah. I don't know what you have going on, but it's not watching Brownsburg's football team in the sectional final, is it? That's unfortunate. Oh, man. You, oh, man, oh man, did I just so... stick you like, ooh, I'm sorry, Brownsburg. Oh. I love you. Sorry about that. What man, in the world? Was... What happened at Ben Davis? What'd you do? Man, I, I got to give BD credit, man. They're down 25-7 to 7 in the fourth quarter. They never felt like they were out of the game. BD never felt like they were out. Even with three turnovers in the first half, those guys felt like it just took a play to get going. Yeah. And then when Brownsburg's um, QB threw the pick six to make it a uh, 25-21, you can just kind of felt you felt like the air went out uh, the room when it came to Brownsburg. So I got to I got to give Ben Davis credit. Uh, I know that'll probably piss some Brownsburg people off, but I got to give BD uh, credit. So let me ask you: Would you rather? Lose like that or lose by 50 points to the Boston Celtics? Um, yeah, no doubt. Well, here's what we saw the other night in Boston, Mike. Mike Wells joins us, by the way. 
you, you saw a team that didn't compete. That, that's what pisses me off more than anything. And I mean, and even Miles, 33 is on my piss list right now, too, because they played like a team that didn't want to compete from the start to the finish. I mean, have a little bit of pride. I mean, they let Boston, I don't care how good Boston is put together, they let it run it up. And I know it's early in the season, but man, that was embarrassing. And even if you could tune in and watch, if you were allowed by the world's crappiest app, at Bally Sports, if you have that, to tune in to watch, you would not have wanted to because it was so stinking embarrassing. They just they didn't have any pride, Mike. That was unfortunate. Yeah, not only not only by the number of points they lost by, but the fact they gave up 155 points. Yeah. I mean, goodness great. You and I would have got some playing time off the end of the bench of the Celtics had we played that night. Which, and it's, it's disappointing because I know – you know, injuries happen. Guys miss time. But, man, I, I got to tell you, I'm sipping the Kool-Aid on the blue and gold this year. I'm thinking, all right, this year they're going to take turn the corner. I know it's only one game, but, dang, that looked that bad in one game this early in the season. There's no excuses for it. My, Mike, they gave up 44 in the first quarter Wednesday night and 46 in the fourth. And I know they were just blanking around in the fourth. But 44, 31, 34, and 46 – you just there's no pride there, there's no competing there, there's no nothing you can do with that. If they don't come out here tonight and beat the absolute hell out of Cleveland, then I, somebody needs to go ahead and dig up where their pride might be because that was a joke on Wednesday night. I don't care what time of year it is, I don't care what the circumstances are. That's flat embarrassing. One fifty-five? Come on. Yeah, and listen, I mean, because they got what tonight, Cleveland tomorrow at home against the Warriors too, right? Back-to-back home right. games, right? Right. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. They 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 need they need to go out and have two convincing victories because the, the reality the, the city is behind this team right now. We saw what happened late, like, you know, after they had that hot stretch and then they kind of plummeted down the road. It just it, it you know they, the, the people had started having questions about everything. So there's no excuse. They have to lock down Donovan Mitchell and company tonight. They have to come out and get after it. I think they need to have a better defensive performance than an offensive performance tonight, in my opinion. Well, that'd be nice. Defensively, they're just not showing up. And, and like I said, that's that's all about a pride factor. I thought Wednesday night was more, you know, about stepping up and, and putting a stop to that than it was anything else. And they didn't feel like that they had the need and certainly the type of uh, artillery, unfortunately, to do it. Are you guys playing this weekend? Uh, no, Tate's got one soccer game, but no no basketball game. And I was going oh, to say, no. no matter what, I was going to come in and dive in and tell you, man, props to my girl Laney last weekend, going out, playing on both ends of the court. I know Center Grove, the Center Grove girls, they pulled, <laughs> the Brownsburg. They, they pulled a Brownsburg. We did, yes. And couldn't close it out in eighth grade, middle school girls basketball. Uh, well, my girl Laney, word on the not, not only is this coming from her daddy's mouth, but from my man Kurt Kramer, whose daughter plays on that Roncalli team, telling me that Laney played her butt off last weekend. So props to my girl. Well, thank Kurt for saying that, too. I blame, blame the coach and me, the assistant coach, and I blame the facilities at Perry Meridian High School because for some reason they invite all these people in to have them pay $10 a pop to get in, and you don't unlock any, any, any bathrooms. I, I think I took a whiz in a trash can in somebody's office. So I had to pee the entire time. And I, I can't coach, Mike, if I got to pee. 
Just can't. Man, I, hey, hey, word on the street, they said they tell you turn turn to the corner with your back to everybody, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I just didn't have a bottle. Well, forget it. I better not even say that. Forget it, Mike. You're going to take me down a path, get me in trouble right here. Hey, well, tell the fam I said hello. Tell the lovely Layla I said hello. And uh, we'll see each other, I'm sure, again soon. I think we play at Franklin Central twice coming up. But I, I've got Colts pregame huddle, so – uh, the well, awesome hey, Sarah Walsh will be I, coaching them up. Hey, I'm glad I'm glad you're a pregame huddle because your girl Layla is all about trying to get me to drive down to Franklin Central. Do it. And I, I, I said, no, no, you, you're not going to do this, so we don't need to go. Do it. So, hey, buddy, I appreciate you. Good seeing you back out there today, too. And uh, way to rub it in to everybody else that covers them, too. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, brother. Have a great weekend. Talk to you later. So, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. That and more in the Colts in Charlotte versus Carolina coming up on Sunday. And to talk about that, long-time incredible voice of so many things, of CBS and TNT, one of the, if not the best out there right now. Let's welcome in Kevin Harlan. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Well, it's so nice of you to say. Thank you. Great to be on with you. Thank you very much. Outstanding. I, there's so much going on. There's so much going on in your life in terms of play-by-play. I was always curious because you're bouncing back and forth all the time. You know, you're doing TNT. You're doing the Monday night game, for example, as well on Westwood One. You do the uh, CBS games on Sunday. How long does it take you to prep the way that you want to prep for a game, Kevin? Uh, it is all week, every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this time of year when, yep. when it got to Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday back-to-back-to-back, it's um, – there is no off day, but that's what we signed up for, and happy to be in the business and enjoy my job. And I don't like to travel as much as I once did, but um, you know, you, you, you're really you're you're working up almost until the kickoff or the tip off, depending on what sport you're doing. Yeah. You're you're basically just getting notes constantly and hoping that you've got enough, and usually it's enough to carry you through. I always, when people ask me this on a much lower scale, I always say, you know, life and what we do is prep itself, and it never ends. It's always. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're watching, whatever you're soaking up, that's prep for whatever your next broadcast is going to be. It is, and you know, uh, with a, with a broadcaster, I think that if you're not constantly going back over your own work and watching yeah. or listening to your games you've just done, you're going to fall behind, and and uh, the older I get, the longer I'm in the business, the more I've got to watch and tweak and try to evolve. And I think that's what kind of keeps it fresh and challenging. And I enjoy that challenge. So uh, Kevin Arlett of CBS, we'll talk about the Colts and the Panthers coming up on Sunday in a minute. I watched a game in the celebration uh, of the life, the 83 years of Bob Knight, who passed away a couple of days ago, the legendary college basketball coach. It was a game that you were calling with, I believe, John Sunvold. Back in 2000, IU and Michigan State at Assembly Hall in Bloomington. I was kind of curious, too. How many games do you remember, do you recollect, calling where Bob Knight was coaching on the sideline? Just a couple. I did a couple at Texas Tech, and I did a couple at IU. Um, and quite frankly, uh, and I forget, you mentioned John. Um, that would have made sense back then with CBS. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I don't recall asking him a lot of questions. I figured at that stage he probably, you know, wasn't really interested in who I was. <laughs> yeah. and, to be, and to be quite honest, I, what, what am I going to ask him that's going to make a lot of sense? A lot of times we go into these meetings, whether it was Bill Parcells or Belichick or 
or some of these, you know, just just these incredible coaches with the long history, Don Shula, whoever I was, whoever I was broadcasting, and, and sometimes you just don't know if a question is really even adequate to ask. So you become a good listener, and I believe that if I go back and try to remember, <laughs> I think that's the way the that's the way I was with Coach Knight. I used to just listen to the questions my my analyst was asking and his answers, and go from there. And if I had a question that made sense. I may ask it, but I was a better listener, I think, than a than a questioner. But he was larger than life. I mean, physically and and, and otherwise, he was he was just one of those historical figures that you could not take your eyes off of, or not even bear to miss one word he said. He just had that kind of effect. No doubt about that. Kevin Harlan of CBS of TNT of Westwood One's on the Andy Moore on the Motley Group Potline. Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight in the NBA. As the Pacers coming off of gagging up like 150 plus the other night in Boston, they hit Cleveland tonight. What do you think about this in-season tournament that the NBA and their players and teams are embarking upon right now? You know, I'm intrigued by it because this has kind of been the lull of the NBA season, quite frankly. This has been the, I don't want to say dead period because every game matters and everything is important. Um, but, But fan interest after the first week, you know, uh, the, the numbers reflect it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if ticket sales do, but um, it, it's a time where the NBA was probably searching for a little traction, a little footing in the, in the big landscape of, of sports. And what this does is it makes it interesting. It, it, it gives even more meaning to the regular season. I'm all in favor of things that can make these 82 games um, meaningful. And I think this is a good step in the right direction. I, I wonder how the significance financially for some of these guys and these teams, how that will end up weighing into this, whether it will or won't. I saw where Pacer guard Tyrese Halliburton had mentioned, you know, maybe the winner getting an automatic bid or something like that. But then when you do that, Kevin, it seems like, all right, so now you, you put putting these early season games of significance over some others as well. I, I, I honestly don't know. What should be done until we see how this is executed? Would you believe? Yeah, I, I, I do think for players, once they get past the halfway point of the season, they can begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and then it yeah. becomes a race, and it becomes good. You know, those last 30, 40 games have meaning, and the last 20 are terrific. And now they've put the play-in situation uh, in, into, the, into the format, and that has conjured up a ton of interest. And the race to get one of those spots, if you're not one of the top six, and, and then trying to get a home court in that situation, has proven to be very successful. So I think the NBA is hoping that that, that format, that feel, will translate to this portion of the season and, and give these teams kind of, kind of rev them up a little bit continue the spirit of competition. Um, uh, listen, uh, 82 games is a, is a rigorous schedule. Um, I, I personally think the league would be better if they would cut their games. You'd have more practice time. You'd have more rest time. You'd have more meaningful games. Every game would mean more. Um, but because of the ownership and how they've got to get those dates in those arenas, uh, they're not going to get back games. So, You've got to be creative, and this is one way to do it. And and it works in soccer. It works at the end of the season with the play-in tournament. And um, I'm I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that it works now. That that it does build in a 
a more competitive, more compelling product during this kind of a lost portion of the regular season. You know, it's funny, Kevin, when you think about it, I haven't heard really any players be negative, and I guess it might be tough to do that since we have not, you know, been through it yet. But I can understand why you wouldn't want to be right now because what that would do is likely Pied Piper to the fans out there that, hey, you know, if he doesn't like it and he's playing in it, then I don't like it. So it's probably better off just to see exactly how it goes, and then we'll base all our opinions on what we see, how compelling it is or it is not, again, in a portion of the NBA season that oftentimes is, uh, is covered up by football collegially, right. NFL-wise, and other yeah. things. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, this, this, is, this is a tough time for the NBA as it is for the NHL. Uh, listen, we just saw some record low ratings for the uh, World Series. And the landscape is changing in terms of how people are consuming all these games, uh, what catches their interest. Baseball this year tried to speed up games, and it worked very well. They had better attendance. They had, they had uh, shorter games. Um, the ratings were better locally. Um, the problem is, is that baseball is becoming more of a provincial sport. It is not the national sport it once was. And college football and the NFL are swallowing it up. And the NBA just doesn't want to get swallowed up as well. So Kevin Arlen's got the call. Carolina Colts coming up on Sunday. Once upon a time, we thought this was going to be Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. Of course, we know that now will not be the case. How are you sizing up this game? And obviously the Colts uh, on a losing streak right now, getting ready to go to Frankfurt, Germany. And Frank Reich, their former coach, almost Kevin to the day. Let's just say, for example, Carolina wins on Sunday. I believe he was fired on November the 7th of a year ago. It would be November the 5th if, if he and Carolina were able to beat the Colts on Sunday. So I think that is a significant storyline going into this weekend as well. It is. We talked to Frank yesterday and we interviewed him. Our CBS crew did. And he is so appreciative of his time in Indianapolis. Love the city. We know he's got a foundation there. He does some charitable work. Um, he really he loved his time with the Colts. It didn't end the way he wanted it to. Um, and, and, and clearly the, the long-term deal was that he would be there and, and in charge. He's, he's, he's without question one of the great gentlemen in the business, and you all got to know him. And, but it didn't work out, and Mr. Ursay made the change, and um, – I think they feel like like they've got a little bit of life with their offense now, and and uh, and they've got some hope. And, and the Colts feel like uh, like like maybe they, that they've made the right choice. I mean, time will tell. Yeah. But uh, Frank Reich is nothing great uh, has nothing but great things to say about his time with the organization, dealing with the people in the organization, the city of Indianapolis. I mean, he just he, he really loved it, and he was incredibly disappointed. I mean, you know, he had a lot of years left on his contract, yeah. and he could have he could have just sat there. And uh, but he wants to coach. He, he's a coach. He, he he's a lifer. He loves football, and and he's found uh, what we think is a, a you know some a, a new new place to to do what he wants to do in in Charlotte. And now we'll have to see if the owner's going to be patient because they lost their first six games. They won this past weekend. They've got a rookie quarterback. I mean, they're they're in a complete rebuild, and um, and those you need the patience, and we'll just see if this organization 
uh, will show it. It doesn't happen overnight, as we know. Yeah, and uh, rarely any longer do you see any form of patience anywhere in any sport. I mean, really, not just professional sports, but sports in general. I, I think maybe one of the, the few real descriptions of patience would be how the Colts and Jim Irsay have handled Chris Ballard because he's going into year seven without anywhere near the results that anybody thought, including Jim Irsay, that he was going to get. Yet you see, you know, in the offseason, he gets this reboot. He's going to have to, in my opinion, at least three years to try to get this thing right. And all that's going to hinge on a quarterback, Kevin. Unfortunately, you guys are going to see on Sunday, and we're not going to see any longer or not again until next year. That's the unfortunate portion of this season for the Colts. It is, and the kid began well and was really making a uh, was really making a move. He was he was one of the more intriguing players in the first month of the season, and it's a shame that uh, that he had the shoulder injury. Um, but uh, but you know, quite frankly, I mean, from afar, and we're not there every practice, and don't watch every game, and don't read the stories every day. But uh, you know, when you, when you lose somebody like Luck, as they did in that training camp of a couple of years ago. And you're, you're sideswiped by that. Um, that. That's tough for any organization. I don't care who you are to come back from some something that devastating. When you've got someone as prolific as he was, and you're hinging so much on what he's going to do and building around him, and then all of a sudden, uh, literally overnight, it ends. Um, that 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 is that is almost an impossible at that position. Almost an impossible thing for an organization. To just you know, pick themselves up and dust themselves off and and get back at it again. It, it doesn't happen that way when you've invested so much and built so much around one player. And it was what it was. He's now gone. Um, and and since that time, the team has has had a hard time getting any kind of traction. Hey, Kevin, are you a fan of old school television sitcoms? Uh, yeah, to, yeah to, to, if, I don't get a lot of time to watch a lot of TV yeah. these days, but when I, yeah, I, I enjoy it, sure. When you, when you were growing up, so I will give you this, what it took place with Luck uh, was inspired with the, the cutting of the era of Manning, and that is essentially the same as when Bobby and the Brady Bunch went to Florida and he picked up that, that, that tiki and they met Vincent Price. I shouldn't say Florida, in Hawaii. And they picked up that, that tiki that brought the entire family bad luck. When, when Jim Mercer cut loose Peyton Manning, that's essentially what has happened around here. I mean, I know when they went to the AFC title game, Kevin, um, but they still, you know, that brought upon us deflate gate, which was another negative. There's been nothing but negative around here. And, and, and really, you're kind of wondering if there needs to be some sort of exorcism around here at some point. It just seems like it's two steps forward and three steps back, just like the Brady Bunch going to Hawaii when Bobby picked up that tiki. So I think something needs to be done at some point just beyond the on-the-field focus football game Kevin honestly something well yeah well the quarterback position is the single most uh, difficult position to get right in any sport not just football but in any sport it it, it it controls so much of the game and you were lucky to have Manning and then follow that up with luck and it, it's amazing that the organization had that but but what is just like almost just hard even to fathom is that a player would would decide to make that kind of decision at, at, at the height of his career, and and um, you know I, again I'd have to go back and see what the temperature was when when he made the announcement that he was going to yeah. retire, but um, all I know is is that when that happens, 
I mean, that, that, that's like losing somebody in your family. I mean, you just can't. That, that's just that's it's irreplaceable. I mean, and his start was, as you know, was phenomenal. And that that's it, it, it's just it's just hard to come back from that. And I get it. It's it's hard. And and uh, when you've got good momentum, it seems like everything you do, every pick you make, every street free agent you sign, everything works. Everything goes your way in games. Uh, on and on and on and on. And 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 you just you just you sometimes you like in Kansas City with with Mahomes. I mean they get yeah. Mahomes and the whole thing just turns right around. So that quarterback is it's elusive. And and maybe in Richardson they have found found that guy. It's hard to say. It's a shame he's injured because you just can't you just can't get a a real feel for where he's going to be. He's losing a, a basically a complete season, and you're going to have to wait till next year to see what he is. Hey, Kevin, feel free to use my Brady Bunch analogy on Sunday if you like, okay? Right. I mean, you can, dro- <laughs> you can, you can drop that in because uh, up until Anthony Richardson now, uh, they've been, like, trying to replenish that quarterback position since luck with a bunch of Olivers. So you can use that, too, another Brady Bunch yeah. reference right there. So, hey, feel free, and uh, there's no charge for that uh, reference on Sunday. Good hey, to know. Thank you very uh, much. <laughs> honestly, it, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on. You are an absolute joy to listen to in whatever you're doing. And I know a lot of people would listen to you, you know, give play-by-play off the back of a cereal box. It is just an enjoyment every single time. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on this show. And here's hoping we do it again either, you know, over the course of the football season, the NBA season, the college basketball season. Thanks for coming on the show here in Indy today, Kevin. Well, I'd, I'd love to visit again, and thank you again for your very kind words. They're most appreciated. Have a great weekend. Kevin Harlan right there of CBS. You can hear him on Sunday.